I think that it is very, very important to continue encouraging our governments and ourselves that the environment is not really an issue for tomorrow. The environment is every day issue. It's the air we breathe, it's the water we drink, it's the food we eat, and we can't live without these things. Welcome back to Eco Movements Podcast. I hope you are ready to learn, unlearn, and practice sustainability. If you don't know what Eco Movement is, it is an ideology and a platform that cultivates climate justice through education, advocacy, sustainability, and interdependence in communities of color around the world. It's been a while, but this episode, we will be discussing environmental justice and injustice and how it impacts maternal and infant mortality outcomes within the U.S., primarily in African-American populations. If you don't know, there has been a significant increase in the media as it concerns maternal mortality outcomes in African-American communities. There are a lot of statistics out there, um, but the one that I go by is from the CDC, And it states, women of color mortality rates while pregnant are 43.5 per 100,000 births compared to non-Hispanic women, white mothers, who only have a maternal mortality outcome of 12.7 per 100,000. Now, there is a lot of technical science, statistic, and progressive public health practices which have helped us to really understand some of the more pressuring, pressing health issues on a global and national level. But it's very important for us to understand that there are no new problems under the sun. Maternal mortality rates among women of color have always been disproportionately higher compared to white middle-class women. Let's not forget about 300 years of chattel slavery and the conditions in which our ancestors were bonded in. And we have to ask ourselves, when have black women ever just been able to be mothers? We have always had to wear multiple hats and be a key figures within our community, which is not always a bad thing. I think the thing that's more astonishing and shocking is that we're moving into a more modern and technologically driven society, yet... Systematic racism is operating on its highest frequency possible, and we can see it in our everyday lives. Now, there are a lot of research projects out there, and some of the factors that they are saying um, are causing, you know, high mortality rates in pregnant women of color is, you know, class, education, race, physical and mental health. And these are all contributing cofactors. But my bias as an environmental scientist is that a person's environment is one of the biggest um, cofactors which determines the longevity of their life, even those women who are pregnant and infants who are within those mothers, within those environments. So what we're going to be discussing next is some of the environmental factors that play a huge role in the health of mommy and baby while pregnant and even after that postpartum period. Now, as I mentioned before, there is a big issue with research when it comes to the technical science and the community. It's almost as if it's a fight. Now, most policy decisions are based 
upon scientific research and data. And if the data doesn't show that the exposure is significant, then it's seen as safe and not problematic. But those of us who have lived in urban communities know that sometimes data can be exacerbated and it's not always accurate and depicts all of the you know, cofactors and things that are contributing to a variety of issues that plague our communities. And when we also have this science, you know, or technical science versus the community, we have to think about who are these agencies, these universities, these nonprofits protecting corporations or the community and the people that they live that live in them. So these are the factors that I think contribute to um, poor birth outcomes for mommy and baby. One. The rollback on air quality standards, which has been significantly seen throughout a variety of communities since the Trump administration has taken over. These rollbacks on air quality are very important, especially for women whose exposure to air pollutants can lead to a host of negative health outcomes, including the changes um, as far as fertility-related hormones and low birth outcomes and even preterm deliveries. And bringing the climate change discussion into it, climate change accelerates air pollution through a variety of mechanisms. And this can easily be seen in East Oakland, where they have high levels of black carbon, nitric oxide, and nitrogen, and nitrogen dioxide because of the rollback on air quality standards and all of the wildfires that have been occurring out there. Now, the second environmental factor that can have an impact on um, pregnancy is access to clean water. Water is essential of our being. Without water, the human race would not exist. And infectious diseases can easily be spread through water. Infectious diseases um, such as Legionella can make a mother sick and also expose a baby to drugs that can lead to developmental issues. I think a great example of this is Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. And we also have to remember when we're thinking about pregnancy, we're not only concerned about the mother, but the baby. And if the baby happens to be a girl, then her children as well. There are three generations and one at that period in time, which I think is very spiritual and also very interesting from a science perspective. The third factor is exposure to toxic chemicals. Lifetime exposure to chemicals can lead to chronic diseases. And there are all types of chemicals that are in our environment that it can impact our health. I don't need to list them out. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this podcast can kind of think of, yeah, that, that, and that. And examples of that is Flint, Michigan, for goodness sakes. Detroit, Michigan, when we think of the automotive industry, I may be biased because I'm from Detroit. Think of East Oakland again and even the Carolinas. We've all heard about the pig farms and how some of the waste from the pigs has gotten into the water and caused blue baby syndrome. This is environmental injustice and it's impacting women's health, mothers, maternal and infant health as well. The fourth factor is employment occupational health. And I think this is really important because we have to think about who's working what jobs, who has a white collar job and who has a blue collar job, what populations, what people and their education status. 
And we know that some occupational settings, such as factories, can be stress-induced environments that can compromise the immune system and make you more susceptible to illness or even cause illnesses directly, especially when we're talking about from a lifetime period. If you're working in a petrochemical factory for 20 years, what benzene have you been exposed to? Is it going to cause lymphoma? You know, how does that not only impact you, but your family who might also be exposed to it because you were exposed to it? And how does it impact yourself if you are at the age of reproduction and you're having children? This is all tied together. It's nothing is separate. Now, as we know, climate change accelerates all of these processes, waterborne illnesses, um, air quality standards, people who work in occupational settings and how that increases stress. I think a great example of climate change um, impacting maternal and infant health is Zika, which is a vector-borne diseases. And as we progress into the future, there will be an increase in vector-borne diseases. And who did Zika impact? Pregnant women, (laughs) which I think is interesting. And as we move forward into the science and the research, we really have to dive into who is going to have, you know, the short end of the sick and who is going to have the resources to sustain themselves. That should be our focus moving forward um, in this climate change research and public health world. Now, people know that maternal infant mortality among women of color is increased. And there are some things that are, you know, supposed to work, but don't work. So one thing that's supposed to work is this whole idea of race-based medicine or evidence. And the idea is, you know, that we'll have black, you know, health professionals help black patients, which I think is really important and significant. Uh, diversity in that field is needed and representation as well. But indoctrination doesn't make the healthcare system better. We have to change it so that it works for all people, regardless of their class and race, in addition to making sure that people have access to those resources. Another thing that's supposed to work, but that doesn't work, is this protocols and policy within the healthcare system. Things are on paper, but they're not always practiced because there's no one to enforce them. You have healthcare professionals who work in hospitals and you have healthcare administration who don't always focus solely on making sure that the protocols and policies are put in place. So there needs to be people, an agency, a person that has hired something that makes sure that they're standing over both sides of the healthcare system and making sure that these policies that are on paper are putting into practice because we could save a lot of women and children if we actually take the time to do that. My solutions that I think are plausible are kind of advocacy, which is what eco-movement is all about, and continue to do some surveillance for the areas with high mortality rates and seeing what are some of the cofactors, and particularly seeing the environmental justice and the correlations, seeing how it's all tied together. The second suggestion that I think is really important is this idea of lay health workers, which is something that I've talked about in my previous podcast, doulas, 
midwives and community health centers offer education and support to pregnant women. And it has been shown in research that women who have midwives and doulas have better outcomes. Even if a woman doesn't have a natural labor, a C-section, whatever method she chooses, they have better outcomes when they have someone that's able to educate them and give them the resources that they need to have a healthy liver labor and excuse me labor and delivery third we need women to have time to rest maternity leave is so important now depending on your job you might get the six weeks but a lot of people don't have high profiling professions and they work in not government jobs or nonprofits or things like that so having to take off a week is a lot If you've experienced labor, you know that a week is not enough time to heal physically, mentally, and spiritually after giving birth to a child. My last suggestion, which I talked about earlier, is continuing to bridge the gap between the technical research community and the people who live in the community in which they're doing research in. If you are conducting research in a community, there should be community leaders also involved and invested within that research. Public health is a tool (laughs) and we can see things as a whole, but we really need to see things are interconnected and tied together. There is no single cofactor that contributes to high maternal and infant mortality rates among women of color. There are multivariate factors they intersect, and we have to understand how we can attack them all to eradicate them. Environmental and reproductive movements have a natural point of synergy, and we cannot fix one problem without fixing the other. Thank you for listening to Eco Movement's podcast. I hope you learned something and I hope you're able to share this podcast and continue to do some research. There is not a lot of research being done on the connection between environmental justice and maternal health. And it is something that I am so passionate about as an environmental scientist and a doula. I hope to move forward with this work and I will speak to you all next time. Ashe.